0: We stay together, we survive.
1: What we've got here is failure to communicate. To communicate. Stick, together.
0: Stick together. In the name together. of unit cohesion. 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 Co-
1: co-
2: co- co- cohesion. cohesion. You are listening to the Cohesion Podcast. Actionable tips from internal comms leaders on how to improve your company's employee experience. This episode features an interview with Annette Revis chief people officer at Envoy. Annette is an HR and business leader with over 20 years of experience. After spending 10 years at Facebook as the vice president of HR, Annette retired. But not for long. She soon became the chief people officer of Root Inc. And now, Annette holds the same position at Envoy. In this episode, Annette and Amanda dive into work-life blend versus work-life balance. The modern employee experience and how diversity, equity, and inclusion functions can improve. Before we dive into the interview, here's a brief word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. If you are looking to increase employee engagement, collaboration, and connectivity, Simpler is your answer. Learn more at Simpler.com. Without further ado... Please enjoy this conversation between Annette Revis, Chief People Officer at Envoy, and your host, Amanda Barry, Corporate Brand and Communications Manager at Simpler.
0: Annette, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Amanda. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here. I've got a lot of a lot of good topics just knowing what you've been talking about a lot of topics I want to hit on so let's start with your background talk a little bit about your professional background and what led you to a career in HR.
1: So I actually started my career as a tax accountant, which is hard to imagine going from a tax accountant to an HR professional, but I always touched the people side of things. So I was out in recruiting, I was doing holiday parties, I was doing engaging. And from there, I went out and spent a bunch of time in industry, again, doing taxes and accounting. And I realized that that was not fully what I wanted to focus on for the long term, It was crazy time because we were in the middle of the second dot boom and I had been laid off to literally where I was bringing these blue envelopes into the room every single time. And the last time I actually said to everyone, I've got my own blue envelope today. And so was having lunch with a friend of mine who was a doctor and she said, well, come and work for us. So I spent a few years managing a doctor's office and there's nothing more important than taking care of women and bringing babies in the world. And it was really purposeful work. And there, I knew I wanted to really focus on people. And so from there, I um, spent a bunch of time talking to different companies and started my career in HR. And I um, was able to go back to public accounting where I started my accounting work, but do it from the HR side. I did that for a few years and then got lucky and was at Yahoo and HP, always being an HR business partner, coaching and mentoring and helping leaders until I was truly blessed and spent 10 years at Facebook. When I started at Facebook, we were 1,400 people, which was still startup mode. And when I left, we were 40,000. So really spending 10 years there, helping the leaders grow, I always say I'm really good at getting people from good to great, great to greater. And I did that um, with a bunch of different leaders and focused on the HR business partner side of the job decided after 10 years I was going to retire. I'm a widowed mom of two boys. I got my oldest in college. My youngest was on his way. And a friend of mine said, no, you now want to go be a chief people officer because what you can do at the next level, you know, you've really focused on that HR business partner coaching, but now you actually can build a team and help the whole organization thrive. And so spent a year in Columbus doing it there. I'd never lived anywhere else. And then came home and was lucky to join Envoy. So here I am the chief people officer where I lead a team of about 35 people. A chunk of that is recruiting. We also really focus on employee experience. What is that experience from the first time we talk to them as the recruiter to when they have a career here to even when they leave? We get to touch that full cycle myself and my team, which is just A great experience and really a passion of mine to again take that talent from good to great and great to greater
0: you have such an interesting story it's very common what i hear in great leaders it's almost you were just open and you changed directions you know somewhere in the middle of your career and found this amazing opportunity i think that's just so important i hear like i said i hear from
1: leaders constantly yeah i think it's really for me it's about the underlying passion what was always around helping people thrive learn grow and then thrive more. And I was able to do that every step of the way, even though I did it in different roles and different opportunities. So when I coach others, that's what I talk to them about. What's most important to you? What brings you joy? And I feel really lucky to have kind of self-coaching and done it for myself in order to change different careers and just to continue to work and help people. Yeah, what an amazing opportunity for your
0: children to have a mom who's such a good people coach
1: as they're turning into adults and they're starting their own journeys. Yeah, it's fun when they call and ask advice. My youngest is having a crisis right now and he called me three different times. What should I do this? Should I do that? And I can actually help them both from just being their mom, but also other things I've seen with other young people that I've coached over the years. It's great to really be able to give them that advice.
0: So you retired from Facebook, is that right? I did. I did. And then you joined, you joined, I think it was Roots. Yeah. Yeah. What what really inspired you to come out of retirement?
1: So for me, it's about doing a job that Annette needs to do, not just any job. Friend of mine called and said, Annette, you've got to go. They need you in Columbus. It was a combo, a tech company and insurance company. And so really being able to bring my tech experience to, to Columbus was what it was and then when I met the talent there and knowing again those young leaders being able to take them to the next level was really why I decided that was the right next experience versus spending time on the beach which is where it was <laughs> I don't know I think some of us <laughs> would rather be on the
0: beach uh, no, I, I
1: know.
0: <laughs> well I live in Wisconsin so I think I'd almost always rather be on a beach Always, right <laughs> especially in the winter correct correct still snowing here all right let's move into our first segment story time
1: Story time. story time. Story time. Let me tell
0: you a story. You became chief people officer at Roots Inc the same day the pandemic started in March 2020. Yep. So how did you do that? I'm just so curious. I imagine did you go in that day and they're like we're sending everyone home and then you had to immediately start shifting? What was that like for you?
1: Actually, even though that was my first day of work, I actually started helping them before because we knew the pandemic was coming. Your example of, did I go in and send everyone home? We actually had done that a few days before when I was technically not an employee because it was coming. And so I was able to coach and mentor the team on the decisions they were making. I did that first day move to Columbus, though. I was actually going to go on vacation with my children, but I knew I was needed to be in Columbus to really help with that transition. And luckily, I had already had an apartment there that I'd set up earlier. And so we really became a SWAT team from that day forward, myself and my people leadership team, on all the things that we needed to do to help people be successful. At first, we thought the pandemic was going to be a few months. So people took their computers home, which was great about Root was everybody was on a laptop. They took their computers home. We started doing small things like, how do you have a Zoom meeting? How do you have lunch together over Zoom? We're coming back in the office. A couple months in though, Amanda, we knew this was going to be a longer experience for our talent. So we started writing processes and procedures and giving managers coaching on how to manage their team over Zoom. We also did some work around understanding in the community, where could they go outside and have lunch together, for example. So it really was soup to nuts service from the people team in order to help those organizations manage on the pandemic. When it got a little bit longer, six months in, We actually had people who needed chairs and desks. And so we organized a day for them to come into the office and help get those chairs and desks. My team was there actually handing things out from monitors so, again, they could continue that work at home. As the pandemic went, we had to get stronger and stronger through all the different phases as we knew it was going to last a bit longer.
0: You talked about lunches and and how to manage hours, And I love that. I've I've honestly not really heard much of that come out of a lot of places. And I think that's really valuable. Are there other changes you made that's really helped keep employees engaged and build culture during this remote experience when you were at Root?
1: At the beginning, it was how do you stay engaged with your talent? You now have to do one-on-ones differently because before you could, you'd see them in the office. So you'd know over the week, for example, what would happen. How do you start your one-on-ones? Because again, you're going from seeing someone every single day to seeing them maybe once a week, maybe twice, but mostly once a week. So you start by saying, hello, how are you? What's happening? We talked about having those one-on-ones that ran 35 minutes, taking a 10 minute break, doing the next one. How are you doing your scheduling so that you're not on Zoom back to back to back? How are you making sure that what we used to do in the hallway, you now have to include more cross-functional people in your actual meetings? So all hands, we did stand-ups every single day for our team, for the people team, because we had so many changes going on. So we instilled 10-minute stand-ups, for example. On the social side, how are you going outside to have lunch together? Are you scheduling that once a month? For example, we set up vendors so they could ship things to home so you could have Friday happy hours. What we really focused on was making that transition from the day-to-day engagement, because that was the biggest thing lost and I think it's still the biggest thing lost today, is that day-to-day engagement to really structured engagement. And so we tried to give them tools and processes in order to do that well. I completely agree. It's hard for me to really articulate well why
0: I like working from home, but what I'm missing in the office. I know you started Roots Inc. during the pandemic, so you were a remote, but you missed that just that regular engagement, right? I don't know how to do something. I can peek into an office. Hey, can you show me how to do that? Now I have to schedule time with either my boss or one of my coworkers. Everyone's in meetings all the time. You, you'd already mentioned the zoom. So now I've scheduled an actual like formal meeting to ask them a question. There's something missing. We need a word for that in the English language of that, that human interaction.
1: I have a word for you. What is it? It's called unstructured skill building. You now no longer have unstructured skill building, you don't have unstructured problem solving, and you don't have unstructured joy. Everything has to be structured. And what is missing is what you just said, peeking over and asking someone a question. Or, For example, today, I use a PC and a Mac. On the Mac, I didn't know how to take a picture of my screen. I literally opened the conference room door and said, hey, who can show me how to take a picture on my screen? But if I was at home, I would have had to stop. I would have had to look it up. I would have had to figure it out. And that engagement, that unstructured skill building is what is missing along with unstructured problem solving and unstructured joy.
0: Well, and even just the relationships that's helping build, right? You don't know who would be outside a door. It could be an intern. It could be someone new. And all of a sudden, you've now built this connection with you, who's a leader at the company, and you have this connection that you, I wouldn't, let's say it was me, I wouldn't have with you if I didn't have that opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's such a, a missed opportunity. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this. You've never really shied away from getting personal. And I'm wondering if you would talk about your journey as a Black woman who's a leader in the in the tech industry or, or any industry you've been in.
1: I'll go way back to my public accounting days. I loved it. I loved serving clients. And the only reason I left that business was because I knew they were never going to make a Black woman a partner. And I can remember the day, Amanda, when I realized that, when basically I was told, you're only going to go so far in this business. And so... It started from that perspective of really knowing that there was a ceiling for me. And although I knew it growing up because TV and all that, my father taught me I could be anything and do anything as long as I worked hard enough. And so that was really the first experience where I had to stop and say the color of my skin. It wasn't even the woman part. It was being black was going to stop me from getting to where I wanted to go. And so. It sent me on that different journey we already talked a little about, about going out in industry, but it still was always harder for me in order to really break through. I think part of that has to do with people see you and see a person of color and they already have their own stereotypes in their mind. And I may do something to even reinforce that stereotype, which in their mind is bad. And in my mind, it's being a leader. It's being push forward. Instead, I would be called aggressive or uh, unfriendly. When I was at Facebook, someone said to me, well, Annette, you smile too much. So then people don't trust you. And I said, you're saying that because you don't really know me and you've got some stereotype in your head of what a person of color should be. And we had an honest conversation around that. It was my manager. I've always had to work a little harder. I've always had to push a little farther. Now, I'm so lucky that I have the foundation, Amanda, from my father who said, you can do anything, you can be anything. And so more times than not, I'm the only one that looks like me sitting around the table in tech. More times than not, even on the leadership team at Facebook, I rose to be a vice president there of HR Business Partners. I was the only one with my manager. And when I left, she didn't replace me with a person of color. In those moments, you know that there are some things, but that you have to be strong and push through and really have to have your own confidence internally because you're not going to get it from those around you. Because again, there's no one at the table that looks like you or thinks like you, right? Diversity is not the color of our skin only. It's really how we were raised in so many other pieces.
0: Do you think that DE&I function at businesses are doing enough to help build up to help change this, I guess, in a lack of a better term.
1: So uh, that's a two-part answer for me. I think that they are doing enough to bring awareness, and I do think more people of color are getting hired than before. As far as bringing that talent is, part of it is quotas, quite honestly, where you won't hear, but truly it's, this is what we need to do to target how many and bringing in more people of color. So I absolutely think it's helping that. What I don't think it's helping is inclusion and acceptance because I think the I part gets missed by just pure definition of what does inclusion mean? It means you have to create an environment where everyone feels safe. I don't think that's happening. I can tell you from many of my own experiences, that's not happening. The expectation is I'm gonna be recruited and be like all the people around the table that I'm actually going to change versus people at the table understanding the differences and accepting those and blending with those. It's always meant that I've got to accept the difference and then be, you know, different than myself. And to me, that is where I think it's falling short. Do you have any thoughts on what, what, what business
0: might look like in five to 10 years? Do you think that there's an opportunity to really start to change that mindset of, I love that, that You're expected to change to be like everyone else. Do you think that, do you see an an opportunity in the future where this might be different?
1: So I don't think it's going to be that different unless the world changes. We're in a world right now where we have a war going on across the world because somebody wants to take something from someone else. I do think it's going to take a lot more than business putting those programs in place I actually think it's going to have to start in schools and education because we actually need to change how people are raised. You didn't get to that table with the mindset until s- someone taught you that, whether it be society, whether it be your parents, whether it be where you went to school. And so it actually that foundation needs to change at home before people even get to be grown ups in business for things to truly move forward.
0: Yeah, I agree. I always think that people who have who lead with unhappiness and maybe hate would be a right word. There's something going on there that needs to change. Yeah. I know we talked about the last two years being difficult because of the pandemic, but there's been a lot of other difficulties, the racial injustice and social issues going on. How did you as a leader at a company handle those alongside the pandemic? It's been a rough two years for a lot of people. And I'm just wondering how you ran with those in parallel.
1: At Root Insurance, it was interesting because when I was at Root was during the riots And we had an example I shared with you about when they were coming and getting the furniture and the monitors in order to take home. And we had a person of color say, well, I can't do that. I can't go downtown and grab a monitor and start walking to my car. I could end up getting arrested or worse. And honestly, that was very humbling because I didn't even think of that. Once he said it, I'm like, well, of course, sure, because I also teach my son, if you get pulled over, hands on the wheels, and you have to be safe and careful. But yet, I didn't even think of that in business, right? Very humbling. And so during that time, we just really tried to increase awareness, and we had actually trainers come in and train our organization, especially our managers. We did managers' trainings around inclusion, because I do think that moment in time got people to listen better. To being more open to training, and so we took advantage of that. There's a lot of more work that has to be done in order for it to stick. Wow,
0: that's an incredible story. That really sort of hit me. That's very, very humbling. Clearly, I wouldn't have thought of that either. But thank you for sharing that. I know that as I've worked on communications at other companies, I always partner with my DNI partners. We have an HR business partner, a DNI partner, to make sure we're trying to be really inclusive and thoughtful in those and you know in, in different communications and tactics. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate you sharing your personal journey as well. I want to move into our next segment. It's called Getting Tactical. I'm trying to figure out tactics. And to be perfectly honest, I didn't have to worry about tactics too much. Here I am in charge and trying to say, why did you sleep through tactics? Tactics. Tactics. What advice would you give an HR professional who's struggling to get buy-in from leaders who won't address this DEI and i issue that we're seeing across the world, across businesses.
1: So first, it really depends on how you show up when you're trying to get that buy-in. If you're doing it in a way that is really around, I know better, here's education, focus on this, you've got to pull to their heartstrings. Telling you that story, for example, that just happened, that leader was a Caucasian male, and he had he didn't think of it. So. That was an experience, I tell that story not to make people feel bad, but so they can understand why we need to think about this more. And so what I say to those leaders that are struggling is, find real examples, find real stories, build the relationship, make it real. Because if it's only just about hitting numbers, or if it's only about what media thinks is good, or if it's only about all those things, then it is just harder for those that are not feeling that level of empathy towards what they should do. Let's talk about why they should. Let's share stories with them. Let's try to pull things out of their past. That means you've got to build a relationship with that leader so you understand who they are. Even for myself, I would say to leaders, I know you don't see me differently, but let me talk to you about my journey. Let me tell you why I care about this. It's not even for me, it's for my children it's for your children. Your children are going to be sitting across the table from mine. How do you want them to show up? How do you want them to impact the world? And if you can go that level deeper, then you can start having real conversations.
0: Incredible. I mean, I love that you're very passionate about coaching leaders, whether it be DI stuff or how to be good managers. Can you talk about how you see leaders being able to affect real change within a company?
1: I do think there is a lot of coaching involved, (laughs) which is fun um, and keeps me employed. And I think it's about helping leaders go from good to great, great to greater. And what they need to do is really influence. First of all, understand what's important to the business. Leaders need to show up, I think, in a way that helps resonate what's important to the business and then decide when they're going to need to be good managers versus good leaders. And for me, that difference is when you talk about a good manager, they are doing the tactical, right? They are doing the day-to-day. They are sitting down across from you. You mentioned you do communication with others. What is your plan? How are you setting that up? What are you trying to to get across? That is the piece around managers and coaching you and helping you be a good individual contributor. And I'm your manager. Leadership is about inspiration. What is your vision? I get the tactical piece of what you're going to do for the next two, three weeks, but Amanda, let me help you think about that vision and what it's going to. And that vision is actually what then should roll up into the bigger company vision in order to take, again, everything to the next level. I also coach leaders on don't take it personal. It's about a relationship. You are not their boss. You are not here to tell them what to do unless it's crisis. You are here to help them go from good to great, great to greater, So then again, collectively, we can all come together to take the company to the next level. Because if the company gets to the next level, we're all winning, whether it be financial winning. But most importantly to me, what I care about is legacy winning. What mark are we leaving on the world? And I talk to leaders a lot about that too. I
0: want to switch gears a little bit because as you're talking, I want to go back to something we started with was that employee experience. And I feel like when you have good leaders, to me, that is the ultimate part of the employee experience. Having a good manager who's a great leader got me to thinking about like Envoy and how you're doing the employee experience there. So I want to talk about that. I've I've read some of the interviews that you've done and seen some of the work you have out there. I want to talk about what you mean by the modern employee experience. Can you elaborate what you mean on that?
1: Right now, we live in a world where we're just coming out of this pandemic. We've already talked about that. We here believe strongly, and I believe personally strongly, that hybrid is the way to go. And what hybrid means is we have employees in the office some days of the week and employees work at home some days of the week. I believe that collectively together, you have the best experience and you do your best work when you're collective together, working cross-functionally, and then you go home and you do focus work. And yes, there's meetings and things in that, but it is a different um, experience when you're home versus at work. And so for that modern employee experience, we need to give them the opportunity to do their best work in both places. We need to really help them understand when they're here. What does hybrid mean? We offer breakfast and lunch, and we have a video game area so that you can learn and grow and be friends and build relationships together when you're in the office. But then when you're working from home, you've got Zoom, you've got other meetings, and you've got focused work. And so that really the modern experience has to take in both sides. Because in the old days, we only had to worry about you being in the office five days a week and your experience was all in the office. Now we have to think about what is it when you're at home. We also offer a credit here, for example, so that you can get great equipment, so that you can have a great earphones or speakers or whatever you need at home. When we look at benefits, we're looking at both. What do you need in the office? What do you need at home? Again, in that hybrid workplace. So everything that we think about now for that modern experience is really that balance of when you're in the office and when you're home? And how can we as a people team make sure your experience is as high as possible, i.e. 200% good, when you're in both of those places? As you're saying that, it it
0: almost, (laughs) it leads me to have this feeling of, you're focused on this really, this human experience of people who are also employees, which I absolutely love. It's something that I, I feel very passionate about. I know because I work remote, I am now have human things. I have my pets, my husband, the doorbell's ringing. Yeah. <laughs> things are, have yep. garbage trucks coming by, I get immune. So it's just, I love that you're doing that. Where does that come from? Where are you getting this inspiration to do this for Envoy? I think it's incredible.
1: From an inspiration perspective, I just believe it strongly. I, I really believe strongly that we, as humans have to, we are on this earth to create legacy. We are on this earth to look at what we've done and what we leave behind. And that to me is what experience means. And so work is part of that and home is part of that. I will tell you this, every night I go to bed and say, did I change someone's life today? Did I touch someone's life today? And that is just from how I was raised. My father was a counselor at community college The lives that we were able to watch him touch as we were growing up was pretty phenomenal. We'd have people at our house all the time. When he passed away, we actually had 800 people at his funeral and had to broadcast it out into the parking lot so that people could experience his life with us. And so I've always been taught that people matter a lot and that touching those lives matter a lot and that what we leave behind is what's going to be as important, if not more, than what we do here. And so I try to live my life that way. And that includes how I think about work. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: I always think about what do I want written in my obituary? Is it going to be that yep. I worked till 10 o'clock every night? No, yeah, <laughs> but right. <laughs> right it's those it's about those experiences. So thinking about the people, sounds like you have people coming in and out, working at a home different times. Yes. How do. are you thinking about creating that equitable employee experience so that if you're home, you've got a similar culture and uh, connection to the office
1: so i will be honest and say i think for employees that are 100 remote it is harder i do think that there is something about being near those that you work with being near those that evaluate you and being near those that you need to do cross-functional work with i know it's controversial to say but i truly believe that if you are 100 remote it is going to be harder and that you have to work harder the company can only do so much You have to work harder to make sure that you are making the right connections because people in the office will be able to do it over coffee, over lunch, and all those experiences that you won't have. How am I trying to help our team think about this? It goes back to, are you having lunch, having remote lunches with people that are at home? Are you doing that unstructured time as much as you can with people that are at home? We are really focused here at Envoy on the Um, hybrid experience, so that you get a little bit of both. We do have talent that is 100% remote, for example. We're going to bring them into the office and do an all-hands once or twice a year, so that at least they can have that experience understanding, right? They can have that experience working in the office with people and sitting across from them at the desk. But it's something that we're going to have to continue to work harder at for that talent that's remote, because I do believe it's just a little bit harder.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How are you focusing on work-life balance? And I, I know this has come up before. You have, you have this work-life blend that I'd love to hear more about and, and understand that. Can you first tell me the difference between work-life balance and work-life blend?
1: I can. So for work-life balance, it means everything is balanced. It means you work probably half your day, nine to five, and you go home and you have the evening as you want it every single day and that there's some balance. Work-life blend means that you understand when your life is more important and you've got to spend more time doing those life things, or when you've got a project and a deadline that you're going to be in the office, maybe 10, 12, 15, depending on what the role is, and that you might not be able to have dinner with your family every single day, depending on what's happening at work. When I was at Facebook, for example, I was responsible for leading the calibration session, which is employee evaluation. My oldest son was a sophomore in high school, And he was on the soccer team. And so I was team mom and I was there every game with coffee for the coach. That meant during the busy cycle that those were scheduled around when I could go watch my son play soccer. Now, did it mean that I was doing those at six o'clock at night with the rest of my team that were in other places? Absolutely. But I never missed a game. And it's because I blended my time that day in order to be able to do both. Just like during there was times when I had to work until 8 o'clock at night or even 10 o'clock at night. Now, I would drive home, I would pop the TV dinner in the oven, and I would get back on my computer to finish my work. It is work-life blend. Every single day, even now, yesterday is another example, where our CEO was messaging me saying, are you still here? I want to work on this project. And I said, no, I had to go home because I had to watch my friend's children. I'll call you. We'll get on tonight when they go to bed and sure enough, nine o'clock, we were back on. It is blending that day and understanding what's important and what you need to get done. And really thinking of your clock is 24 hours in order to get everything done and fitting it all in, but you're choosing what is more important that you have to work on for that day.
0: I feel like that's such an important distinction because people that I know love the work-life blend. I can stop and go do laundry and you tack like an extra 20 minutes on the end of your day. So I love that distinction because I've been calling it work-life balance. So I, I thank you for, <laughs> for for bringing that into my vernacular. How are employees responding? Sounds like you're doing a lot of amazing stuff to improve culture, really get that employee experience. How are they responding to what, all the stuff that Envoy is doing?
1: It's been great. Work-life blend with my own team I'm very clear and I lead by example. And it's, it's great to get the feedback that to watch people grow and actually thrive because they can make their own choices. And I think here what we're trying to do is manage that across all the managers. So, for example, last month we kicked off our manager session. We'll meet with the managers quarterly and talk to them about how some of these different I'm going to call them practices because they're not policies. You don't have a policy on work-life blend, but it's practice. It's practice what you preach. What are the practices around that? And so we're trying to coach and educate our managers so that then we can see the benefit of that throughout the organization. For hybrid work, for example, we're doing that and doing it well. We, have again, have that two-day requirement for people to come in the office, which Tuesdays and Thursdays, our office has about 80 to 90 people in it. We offer, again, breakfast and lunch, so we know that that's working because we're watching our engagement scores stay strong for some of those things that we're doing and implementing. And that's really a measure for us as those engagement scores. We do what we call fifteen-five every single week, and we ask folks, how are you feeling? And you rate it on a one to five, and if you're not a five, we ask why. And then we figure out what we can do to adjust that. So we're monitoring all the time to make sure what we're doing is working.
0: So say that again, they're, they rank how they're feeling on one to five.
1: Yeah, on a one to five scale. And if you're not a five, then you write why you aren't a five. But what I'm looking for is the one to threes. And what do we need to do differently to raise those scores up? And managers see them. And we, ask, we actually have a mechanism where man- managers have to check that they reviewed them. So I look at that too, because I know managers, which managers are being engaged when there's things that we need to do better. And sometimes we can't change what they're upset about, but at least we can acknowledge and say, we understand why that was a bad week for you. And we can't change that, but here's what we can do. And so I read through those. Honestly, it's up on my computer all the time because I want to make sure that I stay on top of what's happening and how people are feeling in the organization. Wow, that's an incredible way to gauge how employees are feeling. Do you say that's weekly? You can take it any time, but every Friday, we also do a show and tell where we get in front of the company every Friday and we share about what's happening with customers and product and people and roles that we're trying to recruiting, for example. And I have a slide in there every week, do your fifteen-five. I need you to be engaged and tell me what you're feeling. And so that happens every Friday.
0: It feels like a lot of what you're doing And I really love this. You're not putting words on paper and saying, this is who we are. This is our culture. You might be putting on paper, but you're saying, we also have to live that. Practice what you preach. You see that a lot with values, like company values. These are our values, but we need to see them in action. That, That has such an impact on culture.
1: And one thing is speaking of our values, every week in Show & Tell, we bring up our values and then we give an example of how someone has lived that value. We have someone host Show & Tell and they talk about the values. So it's really important to us that we are living our values because that's the only way we can truly be the company we want to be is practicing what we preach, but also holding people accountable to live to the values in a really positive way. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. I want to go into our last segment. It's called Asking for a Friend. Just
2: asking for a friend. Hey, asking for a friend. Asking for a friend. Asking for a friend.
0: What advice would you give to a first-time chief people officer to make sure they're doing, they're building good, equitable employee experiences that involve inclusion and empathy and leadership and managing? Like, what what advice would you give a a new person?
1: yeah The first thing is just build relationships and understand the people because what you've said values are great on the wall, but if you don't come in and try and understand really the best situation, the, the best experience, try and do all of your homework on those things to understand what's already there and then figure out start tackling a little bit by bit on the things that you want to take to the next level. So we did the same here for example, the first thing I wanted to do was have a real fair, compensation philosophy, which is a big thing to tackle at the beginning and very controversial because everyone loves their pay and how they get adjustments. But I knew that if I could do that as my first thing as a foundation, that was something that would help take us to the next level. And so for that first-time chief people officer, building those relationships is key, but also understanding I did a roadshow with everyone in the company and asked them a bunch of questions, again, to understand how people were thinking and feeling, and then using that as a foundation to drive change. I think the second thing I would say is get in and understand your own organization, understand your own org chart and what you're trying to build, and then try and do those things within the first half of when you're there so that you've got a strong foundation to build from. I have to ask you this question.
0: I feel like there are probably listeners out there who don't put a lot enough stock into that. What are you feeling about this? And I think this is so important. I love having open-ended survey questions. How do you feel things are going? Or it feels like that's what you do. How would you convince HR or internal communications, employee experience professionals, to really take that as part of a foundational understanding of the employee experience?
1: I think the first thing is ask yourself, do you want someone to ask you that? Like at the end of the day, my job is to also know that I'm a human. And if I want someone to ask me how I'm feeling, well, that means that other people around me want that. I also would suggest that they just experiment. Because it is a little bit tricky when you ask someone how they're feeling because you might not get enough information. And so what are the, you know what I mean, I feel good, I feel bad. You've got to go to the next level of those questions and get really specific. But understand that humans want to know how each other are feeling. That's what we do every single day. And just try and take your life and what you care about with your own relationships and bring that into the office.
0: Everyone I know is constantly getting better at their jobs. I'm very curious what's next for you in that. You've had an amazing career. You're an amazing leader. What is next for you?
1: My goal is to leave a strong legacy behind at Envoy. I really think that we have an opportunity to change the world with respect to how people think about hybrid work and why I feel so blessed to be able to chat with you and others about this subject, because if we can nail hybrid, we have set the foundation for the future. Again, what's important to people around that flexibility, around having high impact at work. People wanna stay home because they want work-life blend, not because they don't wanna work hard. But how can we give them that work-life blend while they're coming in the office and building those relationships? So really for me, it's about continuing down this journey and having the opportunity to leave the legacy behind so that I can go retire on the beach. That's the <laughs> ultimate goal.
0: It feels like you you really have a good handle on this work-life blend and hybrid work. I really think you should like write a book and get it out there because there probably aren't aren't many right now because it's still pretty new. People are still figuring it out.
1: I think about it a lot. It's a personal passion, but I also want to build this world for my boys. I know that my boys don't want to come out of college sitting at my kitchen table looking at a computer on Zoom all day. And that in itself is the future. My boys are the future. Their kids are the future. And if we don't do something now, I'm worried about what it will look like. And so that's another thing that I really, really, really care deeply about is making sure we're setting that foundation for the future. It's really important.
0: Do you have any thoughts on what that future could look like?
1: I think what it will look like if we get this right is a world where there is hybrid, where people will be going into a office. I actually think it's going to be a more structured hybrid. Right now, we're giving the flexibility of picking. I think companies will figure out we need people in the office Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever that is. It'll be a structured hybrid where they'll work very closely together during those days a week and that then they'll work at home. I think the days in the office long term are going to get a little bit longer. And I think the days at home are going to get a little bit shorter so people can have, again, more flexibility. And then I think what's going to also happen is some of the things that we think are important now, even around those benefits, are going to morph a little bit around like lunches and breakfast and dinner and all of those things. Because I think when we give flexibility around even dry cleaning at Facebook, we have dry cleaning every day. The reason we had dry cleaning wasn't for a benefit. It was because you didn't have time to go to the dry cleaners and we didn't want you to work on the weekend. Well, when flexibility comes and you can go up to the dry cleaner on Wednesday because you've got work-life blend, we may offer something else because we're figuring out what benefits and what the future needs to look like in a hybrid world.
0: Well, Annette, this has been a lot of fun. And I thank you so much for coming on. I've learned so much and I'm really excited to hear more about Envoy through news and read more you know, things you're doing out in the public sphere as you continue your career. Before I let you go, would you like to let our listeners know where they can find you? And if there's anything else you want them to know?
1: So you can always find me at Annette at Envoy.com. And I think just keep pushing to get people back in the office in a hybrid way really just know that even if you think you want to be home five days a week, the relationships that you can build will bring more joy to your life. And so finding a way to do that work-life blend and finding a way to get back in the office for part of the time, I think is the future. And you know, if you ever want to chat about it again, Annette at envoy.com. Great. Thank you for joining me today, Annette. I wish you nothing but the best.
2: Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler, the modern intranet software that simplifies the employee experience. Learn more about how Simpler can help you build the future of your employee experience at simpler.com. That's S I N P P L R.com. To all of our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, make sure to hit subscribe, leave a review, and head over to www.simpler.com podcast for more information. Until next time, you're listening to The Cohesion Podcast, brought to you by Simpler. See you in the next episode.